Hello, everyone. Amelia Taylor-Hockberg, Arcanex Editorial Manager here. The interview you're about to hear was recorded as part of Arcanex's first-ever live podcasting event series, Next Up, held at Jai and Jai Gallery in Los Angeles' Chinatown. As we ease into Season 2 of our podcast, we'll be releasing over four hours of interviews and discussions from Next Up. Stay tuned to hear more about an exciting change to our shows this season and enjoy this interview from Next Up. Um, I'm here with Marcelo Spina from Patterns. Marcelo, it's nice to have you here with us. Thank you. Unfortunately, your, your partner in work and life is not here to join us, Georgina. No, she has, uh, I guess, better things to do. Uh, <laughs> no, she has family issues. Yeah. So uh, maybe we can just uh, go back a little bit, uh, back to 1999 when you started your practice, Patterns. Maybe uh, can you give us a little origin story behind... Um, Jesus, it's, late. it's a long time ago. Yeah, no, I mean, I, um, I guess it's a little bit of a fake story because I mean, it's like patterns really started as, as a name, as something started in LA, and I was maybe kind of a sort of a sole generator of that, trying to basically, you know, practice architecture internationally, being part of the kind of globalization wave that uh, had propelled me in the first place from Argentina from Rosario of all places to A, want to study in the U.S. and B, wanted to be, you know, to, wanted to participate in the kind of larger discussion, discourse, you know, and that sort of appeared at the, you know, at the end of the 80s, beginning of the 90s. So, uh, so it sort of, you know, it was became official here, but then I was practicing before from in Argentina with that same kind of idea. So it was really like a uh, sort of a blurry beginning in a way and, and and then Georgina sort of joined forces officially with uh, with our office and around 2006 and so you know there wasn't like a kind of a I mean there was an idea of what we actually more or less sort of wanted to do and a name which obviously means something and it doesn't mean anything at the same time you know it meant something in the beginning and, and it really had to do with like merging these two things uh, you know uh, which we always saw kind of important. I mean, one, an idea of uh, an interested in form, and, in, and so patterns associated with geometries and so on, and then, but also an interest in life and, and things that were kind of, that you could not describe through sort of geometric means or, you know, disciplinary means, you know, like habits, behaviors, customs, and so on. The intention was that, and I guess you could still probably associate the work with that, but in a very loose way. Has technology always played an important role in your work at uh, patterns? Uh, y- yes and no. I think the issue was always for us, like the, the, the goal was trying to produce projects that embody certain ideas of what we wanted to do at a given point in time, you know, a sensibility, aesthetics, uh, a kind of vision. And technology was a means to an end, you know, but, but, but we kind of made a point by trying to work I mean, you know, the idea of globalization, it's, it's obviously out there, everyone knows what it means, but as an architect, the idea of working in different places, especially as a young architect, it's not an easy thing, you know? So, I mean, technology means something here, but it means something completely different, you know, back in Argentina or South America, where technology is relatively, you know, ethereal, meaning people don't know what it is, you know, or they know what it is, you know, everyone will associate internet with technology, but they wouldn't associate robots with technology. That's not something that is... Uh, out there, let's say that you know it's not uh, accessible. So we always made a point that that 
that that's actually a mean to an end. If there is possibilities, we can use it, we can get something, but we'll never describe the work uh, solely through the lens of technology. You know, we don't want it to be associated with it, you know, because robot did it or a milling machine or the 3D printing or 10 guys casted concrete, you know, it doesn't really mean anything if it's not good. Well, technology plays a big role in your work as an academic, as a teacher at SciArc. You're the uh, coordinator of the Emerging Systems Technology and Media Program at, at SciArc. Can you yes. talk a little bit about, about that program? And Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting because this discussion comes up, you know, and it came up in the final review of our, you know, graduating class. And it came up with new incoming students that come from all over the world. And, and issues come up, you know, issues what it means, technology. And everyone thinks technology is the robots, you know, we have a robotic facility, which is, you know, it's pretty amazing. And, and, um, and we have other things and software and so on. So as a school, SciArc, you know, so we're known for being a kind of a technological edge in some things, but, uh, but we're always, I mean, I'm always trying to put a bit of a question mark of what technology means, you know, in similar ways, you know, our population and the students in a post-professional program, post-graduate, which is the people that I deal with, is mostly international. So they deal with the same issues that I happen to deal with, you know, and so, uh, so we try to put an emphasis on the using and understanding of tools, machines, things that are actually at our discretion, but beyond the, the uh, beyond the sort of uh, technical means, you know, more than what it means to use them, what they actually can do for us, how they can redefine the work and how potentially the work itself can redefine the means, you know, or the tools. So ideally, when they get out of school, they practice, they move on in five years, that technology will change, you know, and uh, and that cannot be like you remove the, the ground from somebody, you know, who's actually relatively stable. So people should be able to adapt, you know. So the idea is that, you know, if you're not relying on technology too much, then you will be able to redefine and adapt quickly with it rather than being too immersed with it that you're completely uh, bound by it, by its limits, by its possibilities uh, and by its constraints. Well, considering the dramatic change in technology in the last 14 years since you started teaching at SciArc. What changes have you noticed at uh, both the institutional level and at the student level and the relationship that, that the school and the students have with technology as, as architecture students? Well, when I came to SciArc in 2001, I mean, there, people were still drawing by hand. You know, and I think, you know, that's not a, that shouldn't be an issue, let's say. It's not normally an issue um, that you have to use this or that software. But when you have such a kind of a, a delay on uh, on a kind of incubation of technology or like at least the, the, the relationship with it, it is certainly a problem. So it took a while to basically get the school acquainted with that. And so and for a while you had the effects of technology, the effects of software, the effects of very particular applications and things things and you could see it in the work, you know, and that was, you know, limiting, let's say. And it took it took a while, it took a few of us, you know, it took a few other people and more people came in. And so I think that's a I guess just that was maybe a natural course. After probably three, four years, it, it felt like you know, you could sort of liberate from technology. You could be like not digital, but maybe post-digital. Let's say being you're working on things that they are assumed that you use uh, digital tools, like everyone has an iPhone or has some kind of, you know, tablet thing. But that's not really the point. The point is whether you can do something, you have certain access to things. And so I feel like pedagogy likely not, you know, all the time has change a little bit. Also really comes down to people like, uh, I don't know, I was never really interested in digital fabrication, let's say, you know, that for me was always the mean, it wasn't the thing, you know, like, so 
the idea to teach a class on digital fabrication per se didn't interest me and doesn't interest me still or it doesn't interest me to teach a class on robots you know it's like uh like it doesn't interest me to teach a class on tectonics I means like you know you could teach a subject but then it's like how you actually use it what you're going to do with it and i think the idea that that things tools techniques materials and technology of all things have uh embedded like ideas and you can embed ideas you know to actually do larger things uh it's really important for me in, in pedagogy and i think it's particularly important at sire particularly important i guess in a, in, a, in in the program that i happen to run in school and i think it should probably you know it should be particularly important in pedagogy uh in general you know in in, in academia considering your experience uh teaching at other schools in addition to sire what how do you see Cyarc right now fitting into the uh institutional map um i don't know i mean i don't know i think the i think the world is really large and there's a lot of schools and there's a lot of good schools and there's more and more good schools you know and uh, and the tools that are out there i mean technology used to be something that only like certain schools like i mean it took like five, six years for schools to maybe catch up to Columbia University and Shumi's model of like paperless studios and so on. I, I was a student there. And, I mean, it was, you know, we were like guinea pigs and so on. I don't know. Now it's like, you know, things are like, uh, they move much faster. And so, you know, nothing is really new. And so, I mean, I think, I don't know, I mean, Sire Challenge is, is similar, I guess, you know, it always comes down to like students and comes down to a kind of school of, uh, you know, which have good faculty and, 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 and people with ideas that are going to challenge the system, that are going to challenge the tools and are going to challenge the technology. And that's the only way you can generate a discussion. You know, in my experience, teaching in other places like, I don't know, Yale or Harvard or Berkeley or, I don't know, Tulane or, or WashU, it's like, it, it, comes down to real, you know, to issues like people, you know, you have people, you have people that are willing to take on their, you know, relate their work, their thinking into the studios and share the discussion in a kind of honest and humble and critical way. You're going to have a kind of a, a, a discussion that is going to flourish and it's going to go from review to review, from pin up to pin up and so on. And it's going to be interesting, you know, and, and, and that's actually elevate things at the end, you know. And, and sometimes I don't want to say this in a wrong way. I always have discussions with Georgina about this, uh, but uh, I think sometimes pedagogy gets in the way of education, you know, and, and I think it's important to distinguish that, you know, I mean, that, that I think there are obviously two very important things, but sometimes a good discussion, a good debate, you know, uh, among peers on certain ab- uh, subjects that could be clarified and, and, and detected and put forward could be educational more than just uh, telling a student whether the, I don't know, entering to a building was right or wrong, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, I mean, I don't know, for me at Sayerk, I think we, we, I mean, I think we do that quite well. And in many schools, sometimes, you know, the other thing gets put, you know, forward would say like, so-and-so didn't get enough time, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, you didn't tell him what you think about the project and, you know, what do you think about the entry and so on. And, and I don't know, it doesn't change anything. Does your work as an educator inform the work that you do at Patterns as a practicing architect? Yes, of course. But um, yes. Um, absolutely. And at the same time, my work as an architect I, it completely informs the work as I, you know, what I do as an educator. And I, sh- I, I don't think I could do one without the other. The way I see education and the way I see practice. And it's, com- I mean, how much 
things, you know, I mean, and obviously a lot of things don't have nothing to do with each other. And I think I, I learned a big deal in the last decade or so, knowing what the limits are and where, what things to leave outside and what things to bring in into both, both fields. But, um, but definitely, uh, I mean, I think it's, in, it's important. I mean, I mean, the work as an educator is much more fast paced, you know, mm -hmm. students, especially in certain schools, such as I are eager to learn something new. And what you taught today is all four months in a row in the office is very different, you know, I mean, things take more time and you have to develop them and, and you know, to put something out there and, and to present to a project, you know, to present somebody who's willing to invest a billion dollar on a, on a, on a two million square feet project, you really better thought about what you're thinking mm -hmm. because otherwise it's going to go really bad and it's going to go really bad for you, meaning as an architect. So, you know, those two realities are very different. However, the topics, the, the, the things you learn, the ideas, the sensibilities, you know, the, the aesthetics, the culture, you know, the, 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 uh, I think it's, that's a lot of, I think there's a lot of overlap and, and that there should continue to be actually overlap, mm -hmm. rightly so. What's something you're working on right now? Uh, well, we're actually trying to rush to finish the thing for Chicago. Mm -hmm. I mean, hopefully we will finish. So there should be something on the wall, which has our name and, uh, and which I think has a lot to do with what we're thinking. I mean, it, it's just a, an image. Uh, it's a photograph, it's an image, it's a render, and it's their project. You know, it's like a, a thing. Uh, it's four projects we did for Budapest last year, and uh, we sort of call them mute icons. You know, they're basically it's a subject of a book we're working and writing on, mm -hmm. and it really comes down to what it means to basically... Uh, practice architecture with, you know, engaging culture today, engaging the culture of the image, engaging certain things that I guess society needs and wants, you know, which is the, the icons, but what it means to do those things today after 9-11, after the uh, financial crash, after, you know, the kind of, you know, the new age of whatever, economic austerity and, 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 and common sense and so on. So how to produce architecture, which actually, you know, with capital A, forward-looking, uh, edgy and strange, and yet engaging. It's something that uh, keeps me up at night and, 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 uh, and is really the subject of the project, you know, the thing for Chicago. Great. Thanks a lot for joining us. Thank you.